I don't like speed limits. I'm not a fan of speed limits at all. Um, when they finished the construction on Bass Road near my house, they upped the speed limit from 35 to 45. And I thought, no, this is, you know, this is good. I thought it should be 50 or 55, but once again, they didn't call me to ask me what I thought. So, uh, I had to go with, you know, the number they posted there. Uh, then earlier this year, they lowered that speed limit again to 35. Very frustrating. When you turn into my neighborhood off of Bass Road, there's a sign right there that says speed limit 30. I don't think the speed limit should be 30 in my neighborhood. I think that's too fast. I think you're going 10 miles, I think it should be 20 in my neighborhood. You're going 10 miles an hour too fast in my neighborhood, and we're going 20 miles an hour too slow on Bass Road. You know, I just, we, this, this week we went, um, to Nashville, Indiana. We, our family went down there for um, a getaway. So we drove the interstate, and as I'm driving along on the interstate, the speed limit was between 55 and 70, depending on on where you're, you know, on, on where you're at on that. Um, I think that's ridiculous. You know, I mean, the, the whole thing. I think the speed limit should be 90 miles an hour on the interstate. Hey, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, I mean, I, I think it should be 90 miles an hour on the interstate. We could all get where we're going much faster. I mean, we, we really could. And what's with all these lines painted on the road? I mean, for pity's sake, the ones, you know, the ones that really frustrate me now, you know, going down like on Washington Center Road is one of the places that comes to mind, but there's several places like that. And you're driving along straight, and all of a sudden they want you to move over to the right so somebody can, you know, because they have a left-hand turn lane there. Um, why didn't they think of this before, you know, when they were building the road? I shouldn't have to go over here to come back over there. You know, the, uh, the, and there's a lot of places. There are a lot of places on the highway where I am quite certain I can get an extra lane of traffic in, yet these people insist on driving between the dotted white lines. You know, I mean, the, the whole thing is, and, and, you know, and, and what's with all the stoplights? I mean, really, realistically, what is with all of the stoplights? More than once, I've been heading home, you know, early in the morning. I, you know, sometimes I stay at the office late, and so somewhere between one and one o'clock and three o'clock in the morning, I'm heading home. And I'm driving. There's not a lot of people out on the road then. There's just not. And I'll get down to the corner of State and and Hillegas, and the lights red, so I stop. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I never see another car. It's not even that one goes, that not one goes by in front of me. I don't even see another car anywhere on that road or even in my mirror. What in a, you know, what in the world? Why, why, you know, why should I have to stop? You know, and again, the whole time, you know, the, the, the whole, th every day I could get where I'm going faster. If it weren't for these goofy traffic lights. I mean, you know, the, the whole thing, you know, and, and, and we should be using our horns more.
the most underused feature in your car is the horn. We should be using those more. Pray for Ginny. She has to ride with me often. And I do the driving. You may have noticed I look at traffic laws differently than most people. And I think everyone should have the same opinions of me about driving. The world would be, we would get where we're going faster. The world would be a safer place. A little scarier at times, but it, 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 it just makes sense. The way I look at this stuff just makes sense. And if you can't see that, it's because you're not enlightened. It's because you are not woke yet. And you need to get woke about these traffic laws. You know, that, that that's all there is. The world, you know, it would just be a better place if they realize that I'm right about this. And if you don't, it, you know, if you don't want to drive like I know we should be driving, then you should just stay home. That's just a fact of the matter. Today I want us to talk about, well, I'll do most of the talking, if you don't mind, on how we look at things. Let's pray. Father, um, I needed to hear this when you told me. I thank you that you... um, Tap me on the shoulder sometimes when I uh, need it. You don't just let me go off and do my own thing, and I'm grateful for that. So help us to hear from you this morning. Uh, We are gathered together as a group of people. There's a lot of different needs out here, Lord. There's a lot of different challenges. You know what they are, so I pray that you would minister to hearts. Help me to share what you want said. Uh, Guide me and guide us as we hear. That we would hear from you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Um, If you want to turn to a passage, the longest one I'm going to be flipping out, looking at is 1 Corinthians chapter 8. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and stick a marker in there. All of the passages are going to be on the screen today simply because it's the way it is. What we're looking at today was really prompted by some thoughts that I shared with our elders and our church board and the ensuing discussion that we had regarding that. All of this came about when our governor um, issued his executive order on wearing masks in public places. Um, And the responses that I have heard and the responses that I have seen and personally the response that even I had. Now, pay attention to this, what I'm telling you right now. If what you think I'm talking about today is wearing masks in public, then you are missing the point. All right? If that's what you think I'm addressing today, you are missing the point. 
It is much broader than that. It is much wider than that. On Monday, July 20th, President Trump said he felt that wearing face masks in public was a good idea. And I thought to myself, I know what's coming now. Two days later, Wednesday, July 22nd, our governor, Governor Holcomb, uh, put into place an executive order requiring that masks be worn in public settings in Indiana beginning this past Monday, uh, July 27th. And I read through um, his executive order, and I found it interesting. Um, I thought it went till the 23rd. I was talking to Karen this morning, and she thought it went till the 29th. Really bums me out. I'm going to have to read it again. But at any rate, the um, <laughs> what I liked was the part about the exceptions of where you didn't have to wear a mask. You know, so where where you know you weren't able to um, keep you know the, their distance. And other places it said where facial recognition would be important. And then they said, yet you're not allowed to wear your mask in banks. <laughs> I just I just got a kick out of that. Um, you know, that you, you, you can wear it, but not in banks. And, and I get that. I just, I just kind of felt bad for the bank tellers. Not that everybody's allowed to wear a mask. And in walks a guy with a mask. If you're a bank teller, it's just a little freaky, you know. It's kind of like, oh, you know, or any other, you know. But at any rate, um, when that came out, it, it was this. This was is really only a, an example of of um, that made me consider how am I looking at things? How am I looking at this? And I told you, you know, you pray for Jenny, and uh, and I'm I'm serious in that, you know. And we were we were driving, and I was sharing with her my feelings on all of this. And then while we're driving, I also have to share with her my feelings about other people's driving. You know, I don't have to. I'm getting better at it. But um, she looked at me and she said, it must be hard to be a rebel at heart. I said, it is. <laughs> it is because all these other, because all these other people. And, you know, there's a sign that says don't touch. I want to touch that, you know, so, um, but I had to ask myself, um, how am I looking at things, you know, and why am I looking at things the way I'm looking at things, you know, the, the, uh, what we see on, on social media, what we see on the news is all over the place on any issue you want, whether it's face masks, whether it's a pandemic whether it's, you know, uh, what's the, you know, what's the best way to cook bacon? You know, whatever it is, it's all over the place. You can find anything online you want to support any position that you want. My fear is that as people of God, we are not looking at issues the way we should. As those with a relationship with Christ Jesus, 
we should be looking at every issue not based on what you see and hear in the media or from your friends but rather what you see in the word of God what I'm talking about today are those with a relationship with Christ and how we look at things too many of us who realize Christ died to redeem our sins seem to forget that and seem to set that aside and we want people to think about issues the same way we do. The same way that I want people to drive how I think they should drive or fill in the blank with anything else there. You know, what we should be doing is trying to think about these issues the way God tells us we should be thinking about any issue we should be working to think about them the way God tells us we should be thinking. So let me ask you, how are you looking at this? How are you looking at this? This is what God was saying to me when I was expressing some of my frustrations to my bride. How are you looking at this? Every issue we face, every opinion we share should be formed by and guided, first of all, by our commitment to Christ. Not by my own personal thoughts on the issue. How we think about it, you know, how we, what we share, the opinions we have and the opinions we share should first of all be guided by our commitment to Jesus Christ on everything. Ask yourself, how am I looking on this? I don't always get the answer I like when I ask myself that question. Most of... Now pay attention. Don't let, your, don't let your thoughts and opinions start to block what I'm saying here. Because really most of what the government has done does not violate any biblical mandate to us. It doesn't violate any biblical mandate even about us gathering together or our times of public worship now what we always refer to is you know what goes on in acts chapter 4 and acts chapter 5 you know when the apostles um, opposed instructions but they were opposing instructions contrary to god's word we like to bring these verses up as a defense you know in acts chapter 4 it says peter and john replied which is right in god's eyes to listen to you or to him you be the judges. And again, in Acts chapter 5, it says, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. And I agree with those statements. I agree with those 100%. Most often in the United States, now what I'm talking about is to those of us in the United States, those of us here in particular in Fort Wayne, Indiana, 
we have not had to face the choice of obeying God or obeying man. We are always free to obey God. Yes, we have some laws that allow things that go contrary to God's word, but you are free still to obey God's word. You are still free to choose to do what God says. You know, that's, I, I don't really see that as being a question. Now, if we look a little bit more at the verses immediately following the ones in Acts 4 and Acts 5, you'll see what I'm talking about. Acts chapter 4, Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They were told to be quiet about speaking about Jesus. That's what, the, that when they stood up and they said, you know, is it better to listen to you or to God? It's because they were told to quit talking about Jesus. And they said, we can't. We can't do that. Because God told us we had to speak about him, and we do. Acts chapter 5. Peter and the other apostles replied after they were hauled back before the Sanhedrin again. That we must obey God rather than human beings. And that's true. But notice then, he says, The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on the cross. And he went on and he explained and was talking to them about what? In both of these contexts, he's saying that we need to keep telling people about Jesus. That's what the context of both of these verses are. Let me ask you, how are you looking at this? How are you looking at what's going around? Are you spending more time and effort? Are you putting more emotion and more importance on telling people about Jesus or telling them about wearing masks or not wearing masks or, or social dis- distancing? I hate that phrase. Or, you know, are you spending more time and effort expressing your either your support or your frustration about these things? Are you spending more time doing that than you are in telling about Jesus? Do your words and your conduct show that you are obeying, obeying God or pushing for your rights? Which is really following man, generally yourself. Part of our walk with Christ is dying to self so that Christ might be seen. Dying to self so that Christ might be seen, even if you may not personally agree or believe with some of what you hear or read, don't let it get in the way of people hearing about Jesus. Don't let it get in the way of that. I I don't view these restrictions about wearing masks and crowds as the government trying to force us to do something against what God commanded. It may be against what we like. It may be against our preferences, but I don't see it as being against what God commanded. That needs to be, that needs to be what we're looking at. What has God commanded us to do or not to do? You know, the, the actions, these actions, some of it's a, a way of, of showing our compassion for others even. There are those at greater risk within our church family even some who came today, who are at greater risk of getting sick. And you can, you know, now here you go, don't get off on thinking, well, this, you know, isn't really that bad or stuff. I wouldn't want you to give them the flu, okay? I wouldn't even want you to give them the flu. 
we need to be considerate of those in, in our in our church family that face some of these challenges. Before we meet together, you know, the place is sanitized. The pews are sprayed down. You know, they're wiped down. Everything. You know, it, it always was. Uh, you know, the the, the high touch areas, the handrails, and all that stuff. They always sanitize those. They still continue to do that. You know, in the bathrooms and everything else. And uh, you know, but it has added even even more. And you know, so you know, then you get into this whole thing with wearing masks. You know, is that is that you know is that something that will help others? Well, you know what? When I go into surgery and I'm in a vulnerable position, I don't want the I don't want that doctor in there without a mask on. When he has my guts laid open, I don't want him in there without a mask on because I don't want to catch anything he might get. That mask that he's wearing in that surgery thing is to protect me. We have people in our congregation, in our church family, and you probably have some people in your family who are more vulnerable and you need to be considerate of them. You know, we all have opinions about what we hear and what we read. The most important question, though, is what does Scripture teach concerning these things? What does the Bible teach? What does God teach us concerning these things? If you turn to 1 Corinthians 8, look at it now, because when the Corinthians had a disagreement over whether or not it was right to eat food that had been sacrificed to idols, uh, Paul weighed in, and here's what he shared with them. He said about, drop down to verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 beginning in verse 4. About eating food offered to idols then. We know that an idol is nothing in this world. And that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father. All things are from him and we exist for him. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ. All things are through him, and we exist through him. However, not everyone has this knowledge. In fact, some have been so used to idolatry up until now that when they eat food offered to an idol, their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not make us acceptable to God. We are not inferior if we don't eat, and we are not better if we do eat. But be careful that this right of yours in no way becomes a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you, the one who has this knowledge, dining in an idol's temple, won't his weak conscience be encouraged to eat food offered to idols? Then the weak person, the brother for whom Christ died, is ruined by your knowledge. Now when you sin like this against the brothers and wound their weak conscience. You are sinning against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to fall, I will never again eat meat so that I won't cause my brother to fall. You see, Paul here is willing to lay aside his rights. Now pay attention here. For the comfort of others. Did you see that? He is doing it for the comfort of others. Because some were uncomfortable with the, with seeing him eat food, eating food offered to idols. For their comfort, 
he was willing to lay aside his rights. He is saying that we may have the right to do or not to do something, but that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that it's right to do or not to do it. Why? Because it is not about my rights. The question is, what does scripture teach us about these things? Our decisions should be made with the good of others in mind, not our own personal rights. Even some things for their comfort. Let me encourage you, remove the distractions. I checked with some of the, with some medical professionals in our church, as well as some outside of our church with this whole mask thing. And one of the comments that stuck with me from one of them was this. Because I said, I see people, you know, and they're, they got a mask on and it's just a chin guard. They don't even have it over their face. And what they said to me was, just that hanging on their ears brings comfort to some. And I thought, okay, I see that. You know, just, 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 just the fact that it was, you know, that, it, that it's there. Uh, Remove the distractions. Other parts of scripture tell us very clearly we should be thinking of others. Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. Everyone should look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who did what? This passage goes on. You know, who, who laid aside his rights, who didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but was willing to lay that aside. And to do what? In order to serve others, in order to save us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, Everything is permissible, but not everything is helpful. Helpful. Not everything is helpful, he says. Everything's permissible. Not everything builds up. No one should seek his own good, but the good of the other person. What are we doing to build up the other person? Mark chapter 12. One of the scribes, this is the, the discussion with Jesus having a discussion. One of the scribes approached. When he heard him debating, he saw that Jesus answered them well. He asked him, which commandment is most important of all? This is the most important of all, Jesus answered. Listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Follow what God says, he's saying. God needs to be number one, not your opinions, not others' opinions, but what God says. He goes on, the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. One of the main things about a life following Christ is that of submitting to God and his purposes and his will for our life. And learning to submit is never easy, but it's necessary. It's necessary for those of us who follow Christ that we learn to submit to him. We're called to submit to God, and we learn that submission, he tells us in his word, by submitting to those earthly authorities Christ has placed over our life. 
Children, we're told, to submit to their parents. Wives, submit to their husbands. Members of the church are to submit to their leaders. Church leaders, submit to Christ. Christ himself submitted to the Father. Believers, submit to one another. Employees, submit to their employers. Citizens, submit to their respective governments. Whether these, whether these authorities are always right, whether they're always kind, whether they're always godly is not the question. That does not determine, you know, whether we are allowed to submit or not. What determines it is what God says. As long as their orders don't contradict something that God has commanded us to do, and as long as their orders don't, don't command us to, to, to uh, you know, not to do something he's told us to do or, or you know, to, to do something he's forbidden us to do, we're called to submit. So I stop at red lights. Even at three in the morning when no one else is around. We're actually called to submit joyfully, it says, because when we submit to them, well, Scripture tells us we're in fact submitting to God. Paul wrote to the Romans, Romans chapter 13, it says, Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Did you get that? There is no authority except from God. That's an important phrase here. He says, and those that exist are instituted by God. So then, the one who resists this authority is opposing God's command. And those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you want to be unafraid of authority? Do what's good, and you will have its approval. For government is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, because it does not carry the sword for no reason. For government is God's servant, an avenger that brings wrath on the one who does wrong. Therefore, you must submit, not only because of wrath, but because of your conscience. And for this reason, you pay taxes. Since the authorities are God's public servants, continually attending to these tasks. Pay your obligations to everyone. Taxes to those you owe taxes. Tolls to those you owe tolls. Respect to those you owe respect. And honor to those you owe honor. Peter also, you know, he, he writes to Christians who are scattered. Why? Because of persecution from the government. They are scattered because the government was persecuting them. And Peter says, submit to every human authority because of the Lord, because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as supreme authority or to governors and those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the talk, that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. By doing good, not by expressing your your irritation, but by doing good as God's slaves live as free people. But don't use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Also, excuse me, honor the empire. And so I will submit to this mask mandate, not because of any of the reasons I hear or read from people or from other articles or reports, but because I'm submitting to God. And God tells me to submit to those in government. 
And it doesn't go against anything that God tells me to do or not to do. Some say they're taking my rights. You know what? They can't take my rights because I have already given them to God. They can't take my rights. I have already given my rights to God, and this is what he told me to do. And I am a follower of Jesus Christ first and an American after that. You got it? You should. We are a follower of Jesus Christ first. And an American after that. The two positions are not equal. If you hear me lowering the position of the United States, you're hearing the wrong thing. What I am doing is raising the position of Christ. Raise the position of God in your life. Raise the position of Christ in your life until he is the number one and there is nothing else before him, nothing else above him. My hope is that you engage your head and your heart, a heart that is committed to Jesus Christ first of all, that is committed to him first of all, and let your commitment to Christ guide your head. There's my challenge for me. And in this, let us also be very careful that we strive for unity in all matters. Strive for unity. The enemy would like nothing more than, than, you know, for this time to be an opportunity to cause division within the church. And you know what? He's been doing a pretty good job with it. Don't give him a chance to cause dissension or animosity among us over this issue or over any issue. Why? Because that's what scripture says. Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Walk worthy of the calling that God has called you to. Walk worthy of the calling of being a follower of Christ. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, accepting one another in love, diligently keeping the unity of the Spirit with the peace that binds us. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, and through all and in all. Raise your position of Christ in your life. Above your position of your freedoms. Above your position of your attitudes. Above your, your, your wants and your desires. Above your frustrations. A little later he writes in that same chapter, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity.
There's a lot to get frustrated about. And I have decided and continued to work on not being frustrated about it. How are you looking at those things that frustrate you? Follow God, not your frustrations. Follow him, not your frustrations. What does God say about every issue? What does scripture say about every issue? Live so that your decisions, live so that your actions bring glory to God and help others come to know him. That what we do and say help others get to know him, not simply what we're angered by. Am I saying to keep quiet? No, what I'm saying is to keep Christ in the lead. Keep God in the center. Make him the leader of what you do, of what you think, and of what you say. That others might come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and as Lord. Let's pray. Father, how grateful we are that we can know you. And somewhere along the line, somebody put aside their rights and spoke to me. And helped me to see what a great God you are and a loving God you are. And I know I frustrated some who's tried to share Christ with me, Lord. And they didn't follow those frustrations, but they followed you and continued to tell me and continued to love me. Until I came to know you. Forgive me, Father, for those times in which I put my frustrations first. For those times in which I put my rights ahead of those who needed to know you and those who need to love you. Father, be the one who leads us, the one who guides us, and help us to bring all our frustrations under the cross of Christ, that we might be those who are transformed into the image of Christ, sharing his love more than we ever share our frustrations. May it be true of us, that we are yours, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.